Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. And uh, Matthew chapter number 9, this morning when you find your place, if you want to, you can stand. Somebody said, do you have to stand to reverence God's word? I say this nearly every Sunday at my church. You do not. Otherwise, there are those that are unable to stand that probably wouldn't have the opportunity or would feel left out in that. I don't believe you have to stand to reverence God's word. And, uh, but most Baptist preachers give you that opportunity because it'll be the last chance you get to stand for an hour. Amen. Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 35. The Bible said, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I enjoy this part of the, of the verse. And healing every sickness... And every disease among the people. I want to pause and throw this out here because it won't be in the, it won't be a part of the message. And but ain't you glad for a God that's not stumped or struggles with everyday problems? Amen. I'm thankful there's never going to become an issue in our life that the Lord, our God, our Savior, cannot help us with. He, the Bible, I'm, I'm thankful and uh, for the description of what He said about the healing. Every sickness. And every disease among the people. Can you imagine in that time, and I'll go on, uh, that the, the crowd that would have been there, amen, the crowd that would have been around him or should have been around him, uh, being able to have that amount of power and that ability to heal everything. There was never going to become an, uh, an issue or a day or a problem that would arise or a disease or a sickness or anything uh, that Jesus wasn't able to help. And I'm glad it's still that way today. He's not lost one ounce of power. Amen. Jesus proclaimed before his crucifixion, uh, and to Pilate, he said, I have all power in heaven and in earth. And he's still that same God today. Verse number 36, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest the truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's ask God to bless the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord for the opportunity to be in church. Lord, I pray the day never comes in my life. Uh, Lord, no matter the, 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 the troubles or no matter what issue may arise in my life, I pray I never get to the point in my life where church is no longer a privilege or we take it for granted. I'm thinking about what Brother Tim said in his Sunday school lesson this morning. Right now, in our country, thankfully, Lord, we have the freedom. We're celebrating that and those that have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice this weekend so that we can enjoy that. But here, Lord, we have that opportunity to come and we don't have those that are standing outside or waiting on us after the service or hiding somewhere in the bushes, Lord, to retaliate against us because of our faith in our God. And Lord, I'm thankful for that this morning. Bless thy holy name. And Lord, I pray today that you'd manifest yourself in the way that only you can in this service. I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of myself. And Lord, I pray you'd fill me with the Holy Ghost of God. Anoint me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet this morning. And God, I pray that you'd bind me within the pages of your word. Help me to be a Bible preacher. Uh, Lord, I, I, I don't mind saying this, and I don't say it in false humility. I'm not relying on a talent. Uh, I don't have any talent. I, I, I don't feel like I've ever been good at anything uh, in this life. And so, Lord, in saying that, Lord, I need a touch from heaven. I pray you'd move on me and help me, God, to be used of you. I pray, Lord, this morning make preaching easy for me. Guard my lips and my tongue. I don't want to say anything I'd be ashamed of when I stand before you in glory. I pray, Lord, that you take away the thoughts of tomorrow, Father, obligations, anything that would hinder our service. Bind the strong man, as the scriptures would say. I pray, Lord, you'd arrest the attention of everyone here, from the white-haired saint to the smallest child. And I pray, God, you'd help do that office work that I cannot do. I pray, Lord, that you'd shine the light of that gospel into our hearts, the avenues of our soul. I pray you'd reprove us and rebuke us, Lord, of what we should not be or what we're engaging in, Lord, that we shouldn't be around. And, Lord, those things that are easily besetting us, help us, Lord, to uh, uh, be observant of those today. And I pray, Lord, they'd be decisions made in the hour of invitation. 
Lord, I pray you'd save that soul near his tail, wherever they are this morning. Hey, so many people today, Lord, who are simply, Lord, oblivious to the fact and the reality that they'll stand before God. And Lord, today they're so unconcerned. And Father, I feel like we're living in the last fleeting moments of time. And Lord, in knowing that there's so many people who are going to be caught unaware, uh, Lord, to the fact that the, the eternity and the way that they'll go, uh, Lord, will be awful. The judgment, Lord, that is impending on them is tragic and terrible and have to spend that awful eternity in a place called hell. I pray this morning you'd help those that are, Father, maybe standing on the threshold of salvation, Lord, to throw in the towel today, surrender to the call of the Holy Spirit of God. And come and be saved. Help me to preach, I pray. So it would be my last chance, opportunity and time to proclaim the gospel ever again. I pray, Lord, this morning you'd help me to preach this one man said, a dying man to dying men. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention. Everybody has, has heard preaching or teaching, amen, of these, of these verses of Scripture that I have read. How do you this morning Jesus preaches and heal those outside of Galilee? Uh, there's also a reference, amen, that Jesus makes a, a similar statement in John chapter number 4 uh, as he makes in these verses of Scripture. And what I want to deal with this morning, a very simple thought, and I'll try my best to be as brief as I can, is but where I stand uh, within the question or the, uh, the reality of what Jesus declares to his disciples in these verses. Notice what the Bible said after verse number 35 and he's uh, going about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people uh, dealing with the ministry of Christ, amen, and, and all that he was bestowing upon those that were around him and showing he, uh, he is who he has declared uh, that he is. He is the very Son of God. Verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I may mention a minute ago, but can you imagine the crowd uh, in the time setting that they are in, amen, in the, uh, in the cases of, of how the, their uh, hospitalization would have been, modern medicine would have been, and all the things uh, that they are in culturally at this point. Can you imagine those that has his fame is spread abroad uh, that have heard the abilities, amen, the power, This come see this man, uh, the name Jesus. And can you imagine the crowd that would have been thrown around him? I don't believe we can really fathom, amen, those that uh, had the We have stories throughout the pages of the Scripture, but even the book of John tells us that uh, the books, if everything was told, the last closing verses of the book of John say this about uh, Jesus Christ and about the person, amen, of Jesus Christ. They said if everything was told, basically, that he done uh, while he was here, there would be enough books in the world to contain all that Jesus done. So could you imagine? Imagine those that were around him, those that flocked to him, those that came to him, amen, on a daily basis. And, and he said this about it as he looked upon them. The Bible said that he had compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then he looked at his disciples and he makes this statement. Verse number 37, he saith unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then he has a prayer in verse number 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. As Jesus beholds all this great crowd, amen. He's moved with compassion upon them, amen. He sees their need, their sickness, their diseases, amen. He sees all of their loss of direction, amen. They're uh, no, no, having no understanding of which way to go because of their circumstances. And Jesus tells his disciples, he says this, uh, look out among all of these, amen. And he says, uh, you know, look at a great harvest. It's plenteous, but the laborers are few. I'm reminded as I read this every time, whether I'm reading it in passing or as I'm reading it in something maybe that I'm giving out in a message, I always stumble upon this thought of where do I fit in this story. I always, I always have my mind sometime, at some point in reading this comes to the thought of where is my life in the story that Jesus is telling them. Can you imagine what the disciples as Jesus begins to tell them what their thought process must have been. Amen. As he tells them look out of the great harvest here. Look at all these people. Look at all these needs. And then he asks them to pray that the Lord will send forth laborers into that harvest. I want to preach this morning. I've got to help me real quickly on this thought on are you laboring? 
Are you laboring? Now, if there's one thing us good Baptists are quick to tell people, it's we're quick to tell people what we're good at. It's quick to tell people about our faithfulness. Amen. I've never met one in all the services. I've been in ministry. I've been preaching for 20 years. Not that that's a long time at all. I've been pastoring for 11. I've been in church all my life. But I've never met anybody that just right off the bat comes up to you and tells you all their flaws. But as conversation goes on, they're going to tell you what you're good at. Amen. They're going to make known unto you all the things that maybe they feel like that they excel at. Amen. But if I were to be honest this morning, I, I, I warfare in my life day by day uh, and my mind and my flesh wants to remind myself constantly uh, that I'm doing more than anybody else. Amen. My mind wants me to believe that my life is so full of the things of God. My life is so busy in being a husband and being a father and being a pastor and owning a business. Amen. Uh, and, and working and all those things. And I, I'm just doing more than I can do. And, and the devil, I believe constantly, he puts on my mind that, uh, that you know that, that I probably need to back off a little bit. I, I probably need to lay something down. I probably need to uh, ease up a little bit. And I'm constantly warfaring with the fact that I, in my labor that I'm doing pretty good. I believe if we'd be honest this morning as men of God stand to the pulpit as Sunday school teachers open up their Bible and begin to write the Scripture. I believe honestly when we get to the topics of labor, amen, I'm talking about what we do for God. I'm not talking about a job, amen. I'm not talking about what you do to feed your family. I'm not talking about what you do to have a 401k or, a, or some type of retirement program. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm simply talking about laboring for the cause of Christ, amen. What you do personally for the Lord, most of us, when we get upon those topics, I'll probably, I'd say 95% of us, as we sit and listen, uh, somewhere throughout the message, will probably try to justify uh, every area in our life where we're failing, every area that's holding us from being uh, what we should be, or every area that's holding us or keeping us from being faithful to God, uh, being faithful to His house, being faithful to His work. We're constantly arguing because that's the nature of our flesh, amen, uh, to justify that we're doing enough. We're doing enough. We're doing enough. I'm doing enough. My wife is doing enough. My family is doing enough. But the reality is this. Are we really doing enough? Amen. I'm talking about personally in your life. Jesus looks at this crowd. And then he turns to that inner circle, that, those closest to him. And he says to his disciples, he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's not, there's not a church today that couldn't use somebody for some type of position. You know, you can't go anywhere. I mean, if you were to come to my church today and, and this morning and you were to ask me about, uh, you know, what could you use, preacher? What, what, what would be something that if, uh, if God could help you out by sending you somebody or having somebody come to your church and, and, and take a... Man, I could give you all types of positions. There's churches everywhere today. There's not one single church today that every position in their church, amen, is filled. And, uh, they don't need anybody else and they don't need any help, amen. Or they don't want to experience some growth. But they would uh, rather those men of God would tell you, you know, I need some help over here. I need some help here. You know, we're lacking in here. And the reality of the fact of the matter is, friend, is this. Uh, uh, the only way that those spots will be filled, the only way, uh, friend, that we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, the only way uh, that God is going to bless us into growth and to be multiplied uh, in number is somebody's got to labor. Now, I wish I could tell you this morning, I'll get to my message here in a minute, that it's, it's, it's all easy. But I'm glad that Jesus allows us to see, as he tells his disciples, he didn't say just go out there and round them up by the groves. Hey man, Jesus called it a labor. And that's what it is. You know what? We want to most of the time. But the sad reality that I find sometimes, and it'll get better here in a minute, amen? And the sad reality that I find most of the time is this, that, is that sometimes when people get saved and, and, uh, and they begin to grow in the Lord and maybe they've been saved for a year, maybe they've been saved for two years, and, and then you're, you're trying as a pastor, I try to find them something to do. Everybody needs something to do at the house of God. Amen. Amen. If you don't have something to do with the house of God, you need to be finding something to do. Amen. And you know, we're quick to say things about those that don't do anything in society. And I know I'm live streamed and I'm trying to behave this morning. Amen. But you know what us good southerners say about people uh, that don't work? And, and I'm not talking about those that are unable to work. I'm not talking about those that are disabled. Amen. I'm not talking about those uh, that have some type of physicality that keeps them from being able uh, to seek employment. I'm talking about people who can, that just don't, that just don't or they won't. 
Hey, good southern people, they make all kinds of statements, amen? That guy right there, he's sorry, amen? That's what we say. I'm just going to be honest. That guy, I've heard this all my life. He's sorry and well dirt. I don't even know what that means, amen? That guy, he's lowering a, he's lowering a snake's belly, amen? That guy right there, he's not fit for nothing. And we justify all those statements by saying this, well, bless their heart. Like that just fixes everything that we just said. Amen. And we're quick to say that about people who don't physically work that can. But we won't say anything about that person that's been faithful to the house of God for 95 years and they've never done anything. We won't say anything about that guy. Uh, that man, he's been a good husband. Hey, he's, been a, he's been a good co- a community leader. Amen. He's been somebody uh, that has just been a testimony of faithfulness to the house of God. But the sad reality, he's never found his place uh, in the work of God. We want to say something about that. Amen. Or about that lady who uh, she can critique or she can analyze or she can be hypercritical about everything that's going on at the house of God. But sure, she won't miss the service. Sure, she'll be there every time. Uh, But what is she physically doing uh, for the glory of God? What is she doing uh, to right the wrongs and fix the problems uh, uh, down at the church house? What is she laboring at? Amen. We're quick to say something about those who don't physically work. uh, But if we're not careful, we won't say anything about those who won't work at church. Are we laboring? Because that's what it is. It's a labor. My flesh reminds me of that. You know what you'll get in the ministry? You get tired. Amen. You get wore down. You get beat up. Amen. It's a labor, but it's the greatest labor. It's the greatest labor. Jesus is moved with compassion upon these people. He cares for them. And then He cares enough about them that He tells His disciples to pray. Will you pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest? Amen. Will you pray? Will you pray? Will you at least pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers unto His harvest? I want us to ask ourselves this morning real quick. Let's look at a few points on are we laboring. Number one, you can't help but see the population of this matter. Jesus made the specific statement that the harvest truly is, what's that next word? Plenteous. Plenteous. You know what we say oftentimes, if you were laboring in life and jobs were scarce, you'd say, well, I can't find a job. And you know what people say? You can say amen to that. I can't find a job. Now, that's not the case now. You work anywhere. Pay 20 bucks to work at McDonald's. Somebody help me. I'm thinking about quitting logging and start working at McDonald's. I like cheeseburgers, and I think I'd be great at making them. Amen. But there's probably been times economically that people could look out and they'd say, well, I can't find a job, or I can't find employment, I can't find something to do. But there's never been a time, Jesus plainly states, that, you know, look at, look, look at this harvest, it truly is plenteous. There's never been a time, especially in our time, where somebody that is saved, somebody that knows Jesus Christ and the free part of sin, somebody that's trying to live their life according to the precepts and the oracles of God's word and the power and seek after God's will, there has never been a time that they would look, amen, at the spiritual realm of our society and the work of God. God and make those statements. Why, preacher? Because of the population of the matter. Jesus said, uh, there, there's, not, you know, there's not just a patch of fruit out there. Uh, there's not just a little bit of grain out there. There's not just a little bit of a harvest. The harvest truly is, he said the words, plenteous. He's talking about the population of the matter. I can't help but think about the world around us. The census of 2020, there's 329.5 million people in the United States of America. 329.5 million people in the United States of America. If you were to begin to look at your attendance on Sunday, I I don't know what yours is. I I know it's a holiday weekend, but I know what ours is. Amen. They got the Baptist. Y'all don't have one. Amen. We got a Baptist scoreboard in our church, and most southern churches do. Amen. And they got those up, and they got those numbers. And I think about when we talk about, and uh, when we talk about the population of the people, amen, I can't help but think of how small, I know it's great in the eyes of God, but how small, how, 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 how very small, amen, 
that our congregations are Sunday by Sunday. And when you begin to think about the scale of 329 and a half a million people in the country in which we live in, a hundred and something people don't sound like much, Brother Tim. Uh, 45 or 60 people uh, on a bus, amen, a week, that don't sound like much, amen. When you begin to think about uh, souls that you see saved uh, throughout a year, amen. I, uh, Brother Paul, I can't help begin to begin to get uh, broken hearted when I think about I'm not doing enough, amen. I can't help but be reminded, amen, as Jesus uh, looks at that crowd, uh, those that are sick, amen, uh, those that are hurting, those that are helpless, amen. Uh, can I tell you that the population of this world uh, without Christ is helpless, amen. Uh, without Christ, they are hopeless, amen. Uh, when we hear those uh, sad stories on the news, uh, when we look at the sufferings that are going on around us because of sin, uh, when we look at the, uh, the evil and the wickedness that are on every hand uh, because of sin, uh, look up here this morning, friend, as you listen to the news, uh, know this, we don't have a racism problem in the United States of America. Uh, we don't have a vaccinated problem in the United States of America. We have a sin problem uh, in the United States of America. And what would cure America? It's not fixing the racism problem. It's not fixing the vaccination problem. What would cure America today is if more people uh, by the droves, by the thousands, uh, would realize that they need Christ uh, uh, more than they need anything else. Uh, and they're never going to realize that they need Jesus unless there's somebody out there that's willing to labor for them. We see the population of the matter. 329 million people in the United States of America. Amen. 2022, there's 7.29 billion people in the world. I'll be honest with you, I'm country and southern my head just don't wrap around figures like that. 7.29 billion people. I heard Brother Doug, Brother Daryl, rather, Brother Daryl Cox make this statement several years ago in a leadership session. And I had never heard it, probably 10 years ago, up until that point, that every generation of Christians would give an account for their generation of sinners. That's a sobering reminder. Amen. If we're not careful, we're real quick in justifying in our life certain things that maybe we're uncomfortable with, certain things that maybe we don't feel like is our job, and we're real quick to lay them off on certain people at church. Everybody look up here this morning. Most of you actively engage with people that your preacher will never see. Amen. Most people that you see do you got any friends? Amen. You got a bunch of friends? You look like a friendly person. You got a bunch of friends? Amen. What's your best friend's name? Call it out. What? Lydia. Guess what? I don't know Lydia. Amen. In fact, until this morning, I, I don't, I, I've never met you. And if Brother Paul hadn't asked me here, there's a great possibility that I'd have never met you in my entire life. Now you think about that. You think about that day by day as you ponder on this morning, am I laboring? You think about those that you love. You think about those that if our time ran out today, if it was over, if today was my last message, last time I opened up my Bible and tried my best to follow the direction of the Holy Ghost of God and preach His Word, you think about those that are going to miss the opportunity to, to, to get to go to heaven that you love. You think about those that probably the path of your preacher, the path of your deacons, the path of your favorite evangelist, the path of that preacher that you listen to, amen, on sermon audio or whatever it may be, will probably more than likely never cross with that person you love. So preacher, what are you getting at? I'm getting at this. Are you laboring? There's a population in this matter. Jesus said they were plenteous. He's talking about their great abundance. Number two, we see the point of this matter. If you were to go to John 4, you would find the same story. Basically, as Jesus makes this statement to his disciples, he says, Say not yet that it's four months unto harvest, but look upon the fields, they are white already to harvest. He told his disciples to lift up their eyes. You know what we get into as people? Routines. I'll guarantee you some of you got a routine. You're probably embarrassed to tell people about it. Amen. You got like little things that you do. 
Amen. And it's, it's got to be like, all of us are like that. We're creatures of habit. Amen. We're creatures of habit. Some of us, we've been doing the same thing. Some of you that are, that are, that are eight, many years my senior, some of y'all probably been doing the same thing for many years. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem, the only problem with routines and things of that nature is in our Christian life, we get comfortable with things. We get comfortable in our service to God. Amen. We get comfortable in maybe, maybe what you're doing, maybe what you're, what you're doing in, at your workplace. You get comfortable in all kinds of things. And if we're not careful, sometimes we're completely oblivious to what's going on around us. We're completely oblivious to those that are around us that if time ceased to be no more, amen, the great multitude around us that would be lost, I mean, the great multitude that die without God and go to hell. Jesus made this statement under the same implication of the story that he's telling we're reading this morning. He told his disciples to lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, amen. If we're not careful, I mean, we'll go through our Christian life and right in the years that we're most able to serve, right in the years when we have the greatest, amen, maybe physical opportunity to serve, maybe the greatest financial financial opportunity to serve or of the golden years so to speak of our ministry right in those times it's right in those times if we're not careful that the devil will bond us and we don't even see those around us amen right in those greatest years to serve and I'm not saying that God doesn't have a place but let's be honest we, we've all got we've all got a certain amount of time in our life when we can go brother Tim when we're physically able, when we're actively able. Amen. We've all got those certain times in our life where we can do the most for God. You can always find yourself, whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're old, active in the work of God, but there will be a period for everyone that is a season. Amen. When we have the most energy or the most maybe ability to go and right through that time, if we're not real careful, we'll get so busy with stuff that absolutely don't matter. Amen. It's amazing the pressure that is put on young people in the, in the times of raising their children. Hey man, well I've got to do this or we've got to do this with our child. You know I don't want my kid to be weird and, and I, I, I don't want my child to grow up like this. And, and you know we, we, we got all these things. And, and, and I mean well, there's all kinds of pictures and portraits that we see on, on social media and things of that nature. And the devil will put the idea into our mind that, that we're not doing right by our family because we're not doing this with our family. Our family has had the opportunity to, to be able to see this. And if we're really going to be able to enjoy life. And if my kids are going to turn out to be this, they'll pop all kinds of foolish nonsense into our mind. There's a reasoning for that is because he knows the greatest point of the matter in your life is during those years that you are able, during those years, amen, that you should be out burning the candle at both ends, so to speak. The devil wants those years to so be full of things that have nothing to do with the work of God, that you are blinded, amen, to the harvest around you, Jesus said. Don't say it's four months. I mean, we're great at procrastinating. We're great at putting it away. We're great at putting it on the back burner. I'll do it down the road. I'm going to get right with God this year. I'm going to do more for God this year. Jesus said, don't put it off. It's not four months, amen. But rather, he said, look upon the fields. They're white with harvest now, amen. Lift up your eyes. Let me ask you this morning, friend. The point of the matter is this. Amen. Jesus makes them aware in these verses of Scripture that they're everywhere. Amen. They're everywhere. When you talk about laboring for the cause of Christ, enriching people, it's not like we're asking you to become a foreign missionary. Amen. I mean, if we're not real careful, we come into church with preconceived notions of, well, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this. We had a couple recently join our church. Now, I'd say recently, it's been some time. And I'm not throwing off on, amen. But they, they knew they had some family that already go to our church. And, and, uh, and, and, and they made, made a statement to me when I, I said, boy, that's good. We need somebody to do this. We need somebody to do that. And we, have a, we run buses and we have a super church. We pick up somewhere around uh, 45, it varies, but 45 to 60 kids on Wednesday nights, amen. And, and then we run our buses on Sunday morning and we try to do that. That's our biggest outreach, amen, uh, into the community is what we try to do for children. And immediately when I started, I started just being, it was a joke. But immediately those people looked at me and said, well, look, we want to be members and we want to be this, but we really don't want to be involved in some of that. No, I'm afraid there's a lot of people that way, sadly, this morning. Man, we want to go to church. We want God to bless our lives. 
We want God to, to move in our life. We want God to work in our life. Are you listening to me this morning? We want the blessings of God. We want the hand of God. We want God upon our children. And we, we want God in our home. We want God in our marriages. But our time, we just wish God would leave our time alone. Amen. We just wish that we could do all these things in life that we want to do. What I'm trying to ask you this morning is, are you laboring? Amen. And the point of the matter was Jesus said, look around you. They're everywhere. Amen. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Let me ask you this. How many of you work a public job? Amen. Guess what? They're all around you. Amen. They're all around you. How many of you went to a public school or go to a public school? Amen. Guess what? They're everywhere around you. How many of you? I'm not just picking on you. How many of you have friends? Raise your hand. Somebody in the back. Okay, there we go. Amen. One little girl back there. I thought for a minute. The Bible says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Somebody... Say amen right there. But you got friends. What I'm trying to say is to you is there won't be a day that goes by in your life or you're listening that you won't be able to look around you everywhere, amen. And those that you love and those that need Christ, they're all around us. The point of the matter is this, friend. It's a don't put it off. Don't wait, amen. Ask yourself the question this morning, am I laboring because they're everywhere around you? Amen. They're everywhere around us. I thought about this. In the point of the matter, they're easily accessible. We live in the greatest nation that there's ever been to serve God. Amen. I mean, I mean, it, it, there's nobody point. Nobody pointed a gun at me this morning. Tiffany might have when we got time to get up. I don't know. That might have been that. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody told you you couldn't come to church. I mean, there is some things you know. We said, well, you can't take the. That you, we can't take a Bible in school, but you can take your testimony anywhere. You can take the Holy First John 5 and 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Amen. As far as I know, they, they don't have the opportunity to stand at the flagpole on Monday morning through Friday morning and withdraw that indwelling of the Holy Ghost of God from you. Well, we just can't, we can't do this or we can't do that. You may not be able to stand up at the workplace, ma'am, or sir, and preach a, a five-point alliterated message, but I tell you what you can do. You can live your life with the joy of the Lord on the inside. Hey, and a good... The saturation of the Holy Ghost on the outside and allow your testimony uh, to shine in the lives of those that are everywhere around you. I'm afraid a lot of places are lacking in the number they'd like to see because the report that's going around around most people is negative about the church. Amen. It's negative. It's negative. Out the church, and as we easily access the lives of others day by day, amen. A lot of what goes out to others, a lot of what people talk about to others, amen, aren't those things that give the church a, a good thumbs up, or not those things that pat the church on the back, amen. How that we ought to be so, so, so reminded and so careful about what our thought process is before we open up our mouth and say things about the church, amen. Hey, how we ought to be moved, amen, in our words and, and study, amen, at times to not say anything when maybe there's a little bit of something going wrong or maybe you're burdened about something. What I'm trying to say this morning is this, friend, is in your labor, amen, as you easily access the lives of others, what is your life ministering to the those around you. It's an easy access. Amen? Somebody said, well, I'm just not good at it. Can you talk? Then you can be pretty good at it. Amen? Everybody's got something that you can gab about. I mean, you ever heard of useless conversation? Useless knowledge? That's what you're talking to people about in an odd conversation that they're not going to remember. Amen? We all do it. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Amen. And you just strike off on something. I heard a preacher one time. I struggle with it terribly bad. Amen. I heard a preacher one time. He said, you know, I moved into this neighborhood. I'm living in this neighborhood. And uh, he said, one day, he said, the Lord burdened my heart that in this subdivision in which I live, I, I, you know, these people, I see them, I wave, you know how you are. People go, push my way. You wave, you want to be nice. He said, but the Lord burdened my heart and it dawned on me that I, I had never went around and knocked on the doors of the people that I live the closest to. 
He said, so I thought about it. He said, man, I was really worried about it. I was, I was tore up about it. You know, I was getting nervous. And my, my flesh was getting tore up about it. Man, I was coming up with all kinds of excuses of why I couldn't go. The Lord just kept pressing me. The Lord just kept pressing me. The Lord just kept pressing on my heart. He said, so finally I come up with this. He said, I went around and I knocked on everybody's doors. Everybody, hey, aren't you, brother? Aren't you, uh, uh, you this person? You live? Yeah, I'm there. He said, I just want to stop by and tell you I'm sorry. Just want to stop by and tell you, tell you I'm sorry. And he said, instantly they'd be like, what are you sorry about, buddy? You know, most good people, let's go work. What? You know, they're looking for their dog, their cat. No, I'm joking. What are you sorry about? And that would open up the door, and he'd say, you know what? I've lived here such, such amount of time. I ain't never stopped by and just told you, hey, I, I go to church right down here. I don't know if you go, but we'd love to have you. Man, Brother Tim, I'm going to be honest with you. I've stole that a million times. There's a man who lives in our community that has heart trouble. It's very hard to talk to. And style has absolutely, I'm going to bury my heart this morning. The style has very little to do with preaching. I mean, a good strong amen right there. Preaching is all about substance and the touch of God on the substance. That's what preaching is about. But there is all kinds of styles. And there's a gentleman that labored in our church to get this gentleman that had a heart problem to come to church. He was a lost man. And I do, I, I'm, I'm working on this morning being still. Amen. I'm not still at my, my place. I'm up and down the aisles and. I might get in your pew, and that makes some people comfortable, but I've been there 11 years. I'm pretty comfortable. Amen. This gentleman, I made him very uncomfortable one Sunday morning. He was visiting just because I was out and about. I was just moving around. My, my level of my raising my voice made him uncomfortable. And I come to find out, I broke my heart. I mean, the devil knows how to beat you up. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. Now, I'm talking about a man that, you know, bi-monthly or periodically throughout the year several times he'll have an episode with his heart and he gets rushed to the hospital and he's just on the hinges of death. He needs Jesus. And uh, the gentleman that goes to my church that witnessed to him and witnessed to him, he said, uh, I need you to go see him. I thought, what am I going to say to a man that, you know, the devil automatically puts in my mind, you know, he don't like you. He didn't like you to start with. I'm just going to bury my heart. You're too loud. He didn't like you moving around. You made him uncomfortable. What good do you think you're going to do? Showing up on his doorstep, knocking on the door, and trying to witness to him. I couldn't put it off. I mean, I just couldn't. I have to pass his house to get to mine. And so one day, Brother Tim, he said, what'd you do? I done the same thing I heard that other gentleman do. I show up on his porch, and of course, he sees me, you know. I said, hey, I just want to stop by and tell you I'm sorry. He said, what do you, what do you mean you're sorry? Kind of looking at him. I said, I hadn't been by to see you and check on you. I said, the Lord burdened my heart about it, and I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I would have done better than that. He said, you want to come in? I said, yeah, I do. I got the opportunity to, you know, that opened the door. For me to be able to say, look, you know you got, you got problems. And God has graciously, time and time again, allowed you to live. And you don't, want, you, you don't want to leave this walk of life without knowing Jesus. Did the man get saved that day, preacher? No. But I did what God asked me to do. What I'm trying to ask you this morning, friend, is are you laboring? The reason it ought to bother us is the reason it bothered Christ. The population of the matter. The point of the matter is they're everywhere. They're easily accessible. You can try to make an excuse, but the fact of the matter is you're around people all the time. We're vocal. We communicate. Let me give you this. The prize of the matter. Notice this this morning, friend. Jesus compares them in these verses of Scripture, amen, to a harvest. John 4, Jesus compared them to a white harvest. The most valuable thing that Jesus could probably get through their mind to, to put it on the same playing field, to get them to understand was the value of a great harvest. They didn't have IGAs. They didn't have super Walmarts. They didn't have a place where you could go and get an unlimited amount of your groceries and your supply. You know, I mean, many old-timers could associate with the fact of the matter in those yesteryears, amen, uh, you grew what you eat and you eat what you growed and everybody growed up that way and, and if the crop didn't come in and, and those gardens didn't produce and if the milk cow went dry and died, I mean, it was a big deal, Brother Tim. It's not like the times that we live in now. And so when Jesus began to try to help them wrap their mind around the reality 
reality of what was around them, he compared them to a something that was of a great prize. Amen. A big white field. Amen. That is reached the age of maturity. The winds haven't knocked it down. It's not fell by the wayside. The fowls haven't came and devoured it. But it's sitting right there. And it's ripe. And it's ready to harvest. Amen. Jesus is wanting them to see the prize of that around them. You know, I'm afraid we've gotten so comfortable with those that are around us, we're not really concerned with those that make us uncomfortable. We've got a certain, we've got a certain portrait of the people we're going to hang out with. Now, you know, them, that, that, they just kind of give me the heebie-jeebies, preacher. Amen. They just, you know, that that, per, that, that you know, I just, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just not comfortable. I, I, I just can't get, I, I just can't. Well, I'll tell you what Jesus said about that crowd. I wonder how Jesus felt. Amen. With those groves of people, brother Tim, I'm gonna have to get down. Amen. To get comfortable this morning. When those groves of people come to him, can you imagine how they look? Every sickness, every disease, every sickness, every disease. Can you imagine that we're dragging limbs? The lepers. Amen. Those that had all kinds of things that in their time and their culture was considered unclean. But Jesus, friend, willingly opened up his arms and received them. He didn't put them off. He didn't put them away. He didn't ride them away. He didn't kick them under the bush. He said in these verses he healed every sickness and every disease. Jesus wants his disciples to understand the great prize of the souls of men. Amen. They're a great prize well, it would be good if we could get back to the day that life is precious we live in a society that don't value life and I'm afraid we serve with a lot of Christians that don't value it either amen my family's saved well that's great thank God there's 7.29 billion other families in the world that ain't amen well, preacher, you know, my wife and me, we're saved. And well, we just thank God for that. Well, what are you doing for those around you? What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about, hey, it'd be wonderful this morning if God would open up our eyes as we ponder whether or not we're laboring. Are we really working, amen, for the glory of God? It would be wonderful if we could get back to the place that the life of the unsaved was once again precious in our eyes. Precious. I'm glad this morning, somebody, everybody in here this morning that's saved had somebody that thought you were precious and they labored. I'm sure glad they did, Brother Tim. I'm thankful for a preaching daddy and a praying mama. I'm thankful for men of God who lived their life a testimony before me. I'm thankful, amen, Brother Tim Shirley was one of them, amen, who his life had a touch of the Holy Ghost on him. And when he was around me, his life convicted me. His conversation convicted me. I'm thankful for men that had a great spirit. They wasn't high-minded or haughty, amen. When they were around me, they would speak to me. They would tell me words like, I love you, boy. I hope you know I care about you, young man. I'm thankful for those that valued my life enough when I was rotten, hell-deserving, amen. On, a, on a, a slick path to that awful place, amen. I sure am glad that God placed in my life some people that thought I was precious to them. I say this morning, you can say the same. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the prize. Jesus is reminding them of that great prize, of that white field of harvest, that harvest is plenteous. Amen, how precious that it is. Amen, how priceless that it is. What are you talking about? There's no amount of value that you can put on one's eternal soul. Do you know there's only one thing that's going to eternity that you possess? I mean, we spend our entire life, you know, doing stuff. Hey, man, it makes me mad that we work our entire life, but you can't take none of it with you. I mean, they build caskets. You're going to think I'm joking, but I had a guy tell me this, and he knew. He knew he had just buried his father. He's a mechanic, and he told me, he said, you know what? He's working on something that I got, a skitter that I have. He said, you know, he said, I was picking out dad's caskets. He said, you know, you can buy a casket. It's got all kinds of compartments, secret hidden compartments. You put all kinds of stuff with it. I was witnessing this, man. I said, you know what? That's, that's, I guess you could say that's neat. But they got no use for it. I mean, we spend our lives doing stuff. 
work 40 years here, get a, you know what you'll get? A paper to put on the wall. Thank you for your dedication. Is that it? A paper? My, my worker's comp sends me a, 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 a very small paper and a plastic frame every year that we have no lost time accidents. And I, I know how much I send them a check for, amen. And I, every time I, I make a big deal out of it, too, I say, look here, got me another one. Come on now. Got me an award right here. I mean, for all those thousands of dollars that we paid in uh, for workers' comp, just make sure the men to be taken care of. So, I got a piece of paper. We work a lot for nothing. But we make it the biggest deal of our lives, amen. I mean, man, we, 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 do all, we, we spend countless amounts of money to make sure that our kids have a great childhood. And I'm all for that. I went to NASCAR Speedway Wednesday. Literally had an endocrinologist appointment. We bought armbands and I rode go-karts with my kids all day long. They was blowing the horn at us. I'd catch them not looking. I'd rear-end them. I'd hit them. I'd do everything I could. I had a good time. I want all of those things. Hey, but the moment, friend, that my life, Life is over. Those memories are gone. They're only tied to this time. There's not but one thing that's eternal. That's the souls of men. What kind of price you're going to put on that? Amen. What, 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 what kind of what kind of price? I know because I'm, I'm, I'm attached to them. I'm around them. I, we run a bus. Me and my wife. We sign up. We run a bus on Sunday mornings, and I drive. I drive in. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I get frustrated. Y'all pray for me. I get frustrated with stuff. I, get, I, I have to deal with my flesh. Now, I know y'all are past that, but I, I, ain't, I ain't past it. Amen. Sometimes I mean, I, in ministry, and ministry's great. People aren't always, always great. Ministry's great, but people aren't always great. And so sometimes there's going to be a bump in the road in ministry because you've got to deal with people. And sometimes, you know what? We get loaded down. I, I get loaded I get beat up, I get quiet, I don't talk when I'm dealing with stuff. I get quiet, hey amen, I just get, get so burdened down. And the Lord always reminds me, hey amen, one of those little fellers, we pull up in the driveway, pulled up in the driveway one Sunday morning, I blowed the horn, we was running late, Baptist preacher, running the bus, running late, yep, that's me. I honked on the horn, I'm like, they got two seconds, get out of here, we're leaving. And they don't come out, they don't come out, they don't come out. I look over at Tiffany, you know. We'll make her be the spiritual one. We got to leave, honey. We got to. It's just what we got to do. We got to go. And uh, I, put it in, I put it in reverse, and I start to drive out. And this young one comes running out of the house. And uh, we, thought, we thought we was going to leave him, Brother Tim. Big old tears rolling down her face. The Lord smote my heart. I mean, just instantly smote my heart. And remind, just put the question on my mind heavy. When's the last time you was that excited about going to church with a guy? What are you talking about? I'm talking about. It's priceless, the value of souls. Are you laboring for them? It's priceless. I thought about this. I thought about the potential. The potential in that prize of a great harvest. Amen. I look around this morning and I'm reminded, I got, I got, a, little bit, I got a little bit of what y'all got going on here at my church. I, I like to see all, how many of you like to see all these pews full? Amen. How many of you like to, like to get, have to get squeezed up, amen? I mean, you know, you're kind of tight next to each other. I'd like to see this church full, wouldn't you? I'd like to see it packed. I'd like to see it where there's folks sitting in every, every, every nook and cranny. Amen, we had a wedding at church yesterday. Standing room, got to the point of standing room only. Amen, it's unreal. I looked at a young man in our church and I said, you know what? I hope one day God lets us experience this in our service. And, what, and with that, what comes with those people that come to know Christ is the potential of what God can do in their life. Amen. I tell this, I preach the fourth Wednesday night of every month. We have Super Church on Wednesday night, and we, we have all the kids, with the choir sings, and, uh, and we have all the kids, and I just preach to the kids and the adults. We just have a kids' church service, and I love them. And I make the statement constantly, all the time, that it very well may could be one day that I pick up on that bus my replacement. And the reason I say things like that is, is I've sat under good men today that one day, Brother Tim, they got on a bus. 
and now they're the pastor of the church. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded of those that are around us that by just sheer understanding the ability of what Christ can do in our life, it's limitless to what God can do in the life of those that need Him. So, preacher, we need this in our church. Well, if you're not laboring, you need to be, and it just might so happen that somebody you labor toward might fill that position that you'd so love to see filled at your church. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the prize of it. You know how special it is? And I know I need to get done. I'm so long, and I'm sorry. Do you know how special it is? I prayed for a young man at my church for 10 years. 10 years. When I took the church, he was about seven, seven years old. I was right, ain't he? He's seven years old. There's 15 people at our church, about 15 people. When I took the church to pastor, and uh, this young man was one of them, and uh, I had the only baby. Lily was the baby. She's pretty much about the only baby in the church. And uh, anyway, this young man, he moved shortly after I took the church, seven, seven, eight years old. And I went down, and I prayed with him at the altar. He just couldn't get settled, Brother Tim. And, um, and uh, I'm, I'm never going to tell anybody that they're saved. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's between you and the Lord. I can take a Bible and show you how you can get saved and how that you know you can get saved, but whether or not you are saved will be something you work out between the Lord. Amen. Amen. He just couldn't get settled. And, uh, I mean, we prayed four or five times. And finally, that, that move of the, of the Spirit of God on him just left. And it just, it was, it was over. I mean, it was over. And uh, his parents were all distraught and worried. What are we going to do? I said, just be faithful. Just be faithful. He's dealing with conviction. He'll come back, and uh, we just pray, and the Lord will help him. He's young. Well, it was 10 years later. 10 years. You talk about a, a whip to beat me with Sunday after Sunday, watching that boy turn into a, a pretty good-sized kid to getting his license. His family go through a pretty terrible tragedy, the death of a sibling. I preached her funeral, and uh, we just knew God was going to move. Right after that, right after that, we just knew that the Lord was going to do something big in that boy's life to help his mom and dad, and they're, they're big laborers in our church. And, uh, but it didn't happen, Brother Tim. It just didn't happen. Me and Tiffany were just so discouraged, so you know, beat up with it. Sunday after Sunday, I mean, I'd get in a, I'd get in a vehicle to go home, and then the devil would remind me of how much of a failure, how much that I failed him as a boy, and I needed to quit. And on account of that, Sunday after Sunday, well, a few uh, months ago, a half ago, two months ago, and uh, Sunday morning, and I, I really wasn't even thinking about it that Sunday morning, and it's a great Sunday morning service. We, uh, I didn't even preach. Uh, I, I testified with, uh, with a little bit of enthusiasm, and uh, a lot of people come and prayed, and I went and prayed, and I went and sat down, and more, a grove of more people come and prayed, and, and I felt the need to go pray again. Uh, I went and prayed, and as I went and sat down the second time, as soon as I made contact with my seat, uh, out of the corner of my eye, this is my peripheral vision, I seen him. Him slide into an altar, that boy I'd pray, we'd prayed for for 10 years. And man, you talk about so sweet to see him get saved and, and uh, get born again. I tell you what, I've enjoyed even more than that. Last Sunday I was preaching, and uh, he's not a little kid anymore, he's grown. I got done preaching and I give the invitation. And there was people that come and prayed. And uh, that certain Sunday, his mom didn't move, his dad didn't move, his grandpa, his grandmother didn't move, uh, his girlfriend didn't move. And uh, he got up out of his pew and just slinked right on down and found him a spot over in the corner. I just sat down and wept at the sweetness of the potential of people's lives. And uh, what God can do, Brother Tim. That night, I, we have an altar prayer on Sunday night. You know, got so much going on. And, and on Sunday morning, we usually don't pray around the altar. We try to do every Sunday night. And I said, all the can and will, you know. All the can and will is coming around the altar. And as I'm watching, you know, people, I see him get up out of his pew. Come down and find his spot. Man, for the first 30 seconds, 45 seconds of my prayer, I was just rejoicing to him. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the prize. Of that great harvest. 
Amen. Somewhere in your mind, there should never relinquish the thoughts of how valuable the lives of those around us are. Their soul, the potential of what God can do in them. Not to mention we need them. We need them. I thought about this. I'm done. We see the pressing of this matter. Jesus says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Having a farming background of any capacity, you'd understand that when it becomes harvest time, it's an urgent time. It's an urgent time. When that field of grain becomes white ready unto harvest. Amen. It's not something you say, well, when we get back from vacation. No, farmers gear their lives around planting season and harvest season. Why? Because every amount of money that they're going to make depends upon that harvest. It's a time sensitive. It's a pressing issue. Why, preacher? Write this down if you're taking notes. A lot can hinder it. When you look around at people's lives, there's all kinds of people today, friend, that aren't sitting on a church pew. We know all kinds of people that are hindered at some capacity. Well, brother, I, you know, I talk to this person. I, I, I try to witness to them. And you know what? They, they always say the same thing. You know what that person is? They're hindered. The reason it should bother us this morning that every time we see somebody that we pray that God would burden them on our heart and, and we just get broken, amen, and God would give us some tears and a, and a zeal to want to reach them is they will come a day that we'll not have that chance no more. It's time sensitive. A lot can hinder it. I thought about this. A lot can damage it. Sadly today, there's all kinds of people that if God don't intervene, have got some kind of bad taste about church. There's a man I dearly love and I've had the opportunity to reach out to him two or three times. And, and I, you know, I try my best to, he's really, as much as I try to put an effort into witnessing to him or when I see him, not that I, I don't want you to think that I go once a month and knock on this gentleman's door, but our lives intermingle. And uh, as much time as I try to think about what I would see him, uh, or when I see him, what I would say, I think he spends equally as much time thinking about all the, all the things that he's going to use to reject everything that I'm going to say. And every time I'll say, you know, you ought to go to church. And he's always got a new story about somebody bad at church. Amen. He's always got something that he can, he, he, can, he, can, he can use for ammunition back at me. You say, preacher, why would you even bring that up? Because if we're not real careful, hey, there's a lot going on that the devil has his hand in in the lives of those we love. I'm, I'm trying to tug at your heartstrings and tell you, you may not have as many tomorrows as you think. You may not have as much time as you think. But Jesus said, don't say it's four months. But look now, amen, Jesus put the implication that they needed to be laboring now. Amen. A lot can hinder it. A lot can damage it. Amen. Let me give you some statistics and I'm done. I listened to a message, a stab message uh, from 1974. Just looking through some archives and some things and listening to some preaching. There's some statistics that I heard a man say in that message. He said the population of a lost world in 1974 could stand in a single file line and wrap around the world nine times. And in the USA alone, if they were one to Christ on the same rate as 1973, now statistically, it would take 326 years to win everybody in the USA alone, and a thousand years to reach the world. At that time, there was 213.9 million people in the United States. There was only 3.9 billion people in the world. Now there's 7.29 billion people in the world and 329.5 million people in America. It's a pretty urgent issue. Amen. It's a pretty urgent Notice this, and I'll close. We see the prayer over the matter. In verse 38, Jesus said, pray ye therefore. Pray ye therefore. Pray ye therefore. You know what he prayed for? That God would send laborers. Let me ask you this. Everybody look up here this morning. I know I've been long. Let me ask you this. Are you an answer to that prayer? 
Jesus told his disciples, you know, when you pray and you look out what's going on today, pray that there'd be some more come out and work later. Are you an answer to that prayer? Amen. If you were to stop doing what you were doing around here today, would it anything really be missed? We put a big issue on what we do. I'm guilty of that, Brother Tim. I'm guilty of convincing myself that oh, they just couldn't do without me. But you know what? In all reality, they probably get by just fine. Because we're probably not doing as much as we tell ourselves we are so that we're okay with what we're not. I'll stand this Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.